We're beginning here on the top of Nunbet, I'm an Aleph, two lines down. The Gemara's continued to discuss the Machlok that we saw yesterday between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai, where Beit Hillel says that we first make the Brach al and then afterwards Al-Kiddush And Beit Shammai says just the opposite, that first you make the Brach Al-Kiddush and only afterwards do you make the Brach al The Gemara now is challenging that underlying position of Beit Shammai and says, V'savrei Beit Shammai, the Birkat Ayom Adifa. Does Beit Shammai really believe that Birkat Ayom takes precedence when you have it in competition with Yayin? Vatanya, don't we have a brighter that seems to indicate otherwise? And Ichnas the Beitob b'Motzei Shabbat, someone returns home after Shabbat, Mevarei Chalayayin, Vala Meor, Vala Bisamim, Varachakach Omer Havdala. So when it comes to making Havdala alakos, you first make the brach on the wine, then you make it on the Eish, then afterwards on the smelling of the Bisamim, and only last you make it on Havdala. Assuming that Havdala is similar to Kiddush Hayom, over here you have the Yibrikat Hayayin going before the Kiddush Hayom, or over here what is Havdala. So why is it that Beit Shammai believes by Kiddush it's one way, when we have a Brayta that seems to indicate otherwise with regards to Abdallah? Now the Brayta continues on a, another topic, which is, He only has one kos, then he leaves it till after he's finished his meal, and then he links them together, he chains them afterwards, which means that he first makes the Birkat HaMazon, and then afterwards he follows the procedure above, which is, Bissamim, and then you say Havdalah. That's because he only has one kos, and he has to bench alakos, and he has to say Havdalah alakos. So in order to facilitate that, he groups them together, and he waits to make Havdalah until after he has eaten. Now, the Balya Tosafot asks over here, how is that possible? Makes it sound like over here you're allowed to eat before Havdalah, and that is not the impression you get in the Gemara in Arve Psachim, whereby one is not allowed to eat before they made Havdalah alakos. And it brings a story over there of a Maymar who fasted all night. He didn't eat on Motzei Shabbat because he was waiting to have a kos Havdalah until Sunday morning. Tosaf Odevir gives a number of answers. One is, maybe shiny a Maymar, she has savur, she Maymar knew that he would get a kos Havdalah the next day. Therefore, he waited for Havdalah. But in our situation over here, they have no belief that they're going to get another kos. Therefore, we have to deal with benching alakos and Havdalah. And therefore, we permit you in this situation to eat, and that's possibly in any case where you don't think you're going to get a kos for Abdullah, maybe you are permitted to eat. The Easter of Tima might only be in a case where you know you're going to get a kos shell Abdullah. The other possibility Tosafot raises is that maybe Amemar machmer latzmoya. Maybe he was just machmer on himself, but that's not the Iker Alocha. The Iker Alocha is like Argemara, that maybe that you can eat before benching. And the tour in Siman Kufpei Bed actually brings this, the aloha, that if a person does not have a coast for Birkat Mazon, but he does see in the future he will have a coast, that he should skip the meal and wait till he has a coast in order to bench a la coast. And Magin Abram says, I don't know where the tour got this from, because we know that there's an Easter to eat for Abdullah, but where is there ever an Easter to eat when you don't have a coast for Birkat Mazon? The... Machatita Shekel over there challenges the Magen Abram and says it's from our Gemara. Over here you see that in order to facilitate Brach Alakos, we allow you to eat before Havdalah. That shows you that Birkat Amazon is more Chamur than Havdalah, and that's the source for the tourist Psak, that if you have the ability to get a Kos, you should skip the meal until you can be benching Alakos. Because we see that Birkat Amazon Alakos is more Chamur than Abdullah, because we permit you to eat in order to bench alakos, even though that's not normally permitted for Abdullah. And that shows you, just like by Abdullah, if you don't have a kos, you don't eat. So too by Birkat Amazon, if you don't have a kos, you shouldn't eat. Achonim disagree with that by saying that the reason that over here, you wait until after the Mazon and you eat before Abdullah, 
is not because Birkat Amazon is more chamur, but rather because the fact that you need the coast for Birkat Amazon makes as if you don't have a coast for Abdullah. And we already noted, like the Bayat Tosafot said, if you don't have a coast for Abdullah, and then you can't eat. And since that is the scenario here, the permissibility to eat before Abdullah is because you don't have a coast Abdullah. Why don't you have a coast Abdullah? Because you need it for Birkat Amazon. But not to suggest that there is a hierarchy that Birkat Amazon is more important than Abdullah. And if that's the case, you can't learn from this Gemara that just like you're not allowed to eat before Abdullah, you're not allowed to eat before Birkat Amazon. And that's the reasoning behind the Magen Avram's question on the tour's position that one may not eat or has to skip a meal if they anticipate getting a coast that they can bench on in the future. Because as the Magen Avram says, we never find any Easter to eat when you can't bench on a coast. You just bench without a coast if you don't have a coast in that situation. So now the Gemara asks a question on the Brita that we just brought. Baha'i, me might debate Shemayi. How do you know that the author of that Brita that we just brought is Beit Shemai, Dilma Beit Hilehi. Maybe it's the position of Beit Hilel. Where it says, Lo that we wouldn't have considered Diktani Ma'or Vachakach B'Samim. It says in the Brita that first you make a bracha on Eish, and then afterwards you make it on B'Samim. Man Shmaitle De'itle Haisvoro. Who is the one that has that order or that logic? Beit Shemai. That is the position of Beit Shemai. Ditanya. We have a Brita. Amri Behuda. In this situation where you're both benching and you're making Habdallah together on the same coast, everybody agrees that you first bench, and everybody agrees that Habdallah goes at the end. The only question you have over here is the order in which you do the bracha le'esh and the bracha al-de-b'samim. Beit Shemai says you do the first the bracha on the Eish, and then afterwards you do the bracha on the Misamim. And Rabbeinu Yonah also suggests, and the Ritva also suggests something similar later on in the Gemara, because the Or is the first thing that you get Hanah from, so that gets priority in terms of the Birkat Hanenin, or the bracha of Ha'or, and therefore you make the bracha on the Or, and then after Bissamim, Beit Hilelomim Bissamim Vachachach Me'or. Since Bissamim is associated with the Shabbat, it's supposed to relieve the person from the despondency of the leaving Shabbat, and therefore it's connected to Shabbat more closely than the Me'or, which is really connected to Motzei Shabbat, which is the first time that Adam Rishon lit a fire. So therefore the order should be B'Samim, and then Acharkach Me'or. So that's the only thing they argue about. They also could possibly argue about the nature of the mitzvah of Me'or, is Me'or a Birkat Nenin, and that's possibly what Beit Shemai is saying, and therefore it should get precedence. Or is Birkat Me'or a Birkat Hoda'ah, and therefore maybe there's no issue in terms of whether you got Hanah from it first or not. That's another possible way to explain their Machloket. But the Gemara is saying, it's clear from here, the one who has the opinion that Me'or goes before Bisamim, which is what was in the Brita that we quoted before, is Beit Shemai. And therefore... That must be that it is Beit Shemai, the author of the Brayta that we quoted before. The Brayta Tosefta that you just brought over here is the version of the Machloka between Beit Hilel and Beit Shemai according to Rabbi Yehuda. But maybe it's still Beit Meir. Maybe it's really the position of Beit Hilel according to Rabbi Meir who's the author of our Mishnah. Maybe it's Beit Hilel according to Rabbi Meir because both Beit Hilel and Beit Shemai in our Mishnah have near before Bissamim. So when it says, Lo Sakadatcha, you wouldn't have thought to assume that it was Beit Hillel according to Rabbi Meir, the way, the version that's in our Mishnah, Tatani Hocha, Bimatznitin, because in our Mishnah it says, Beit Shemai Umrim, Ner, Umazon, Bissamim, Vabdallah, Betelo Umim, Ner, Ubisamim, Mazon, Vabdallah, Vahatam Babrai, Taktani, Imeinlo, Elokosachad, Menuchol, Achar, Mazon, Umishal Shalan, Kulan, Lacharab. So based on the Brite that we brought before, 
it's clear that Mazon goes first. And in the Mishnah, according to Rabbi Meir, neither Beit Hillel nor Beit Shemai has Mazon going first. Shmamino, it must be that it's Beit Shemai, he valibid Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda is the one who has that view that Mazon goes first. And therefore, in that view of Rabbi Huda, where Mazon goes first, which seems to be the case in the Brita that we just brought, because it says, Mishal Shalan Acharav, that everything is then linked or successive to the Birkat Amazon that you did, it must be according to Beit Shammai, because in that Machloket, in the view of Rabbi Yehuda, Beit Shammai is the only one who has Ner and then Bitsamim. And so then we've then concluded that that Breitah that we quoted above is Beit Shammai, and the problem is, we have a problem from that Breitah, because Beit Shammai in that Breitah says, you make a brach on the Yain, and then afterwards, Havdalah, versus at the opening of Shabbat, where you make Kiddush, and then you make the brach al ayayin. Gemara says, Kasabri Beit Shemai, Shani Iyula Yoma, Miafuke Yoma. Makes a difference between whether you're bringing in the Kedushat Shabbat or you're exiting from Shabbat. Iyula Yoma, Kama Demaktamina, Le Odif. On the way in, faster you can bring in Shabbat, the better it is, or it makes more sense. So you want to be Mikadesh the Shabbat as early as possible, and therefore you would put the brocha of Kiddush Hayom before the bracha Yain. Now that in of itself is not a reason to put Kiddush Hayom before the Yain, and that's why you need the other reasons that we saw in yesterday's da'af as to why Beit Shammai gives priority to Kiddush Hayom ala Yain, but nevertheless, it's conceptually supporting to the idea of being Mikadesh the Yom, and then afterwards making the bracha on the Yain. On the other hand, by Fuke Yoma, Kamedemachrina Le'adif. On the way out, the longer you keep Shabbat, the better off it is. So that is that, what we say in the Zmirot on Friday night, Mimaharim lavo, umachrin latzeit. We want to bring it in as fast as possible, and delay and tarry as much as possible on the way out. So therefore we want to delay Havdolah as much as possible. So even though technically, Beit Shammai would have thought, that it would have thought in this case, that Kiddush Hayom or Havdolah should have preceded Yayin, nevertheless there's a mitigating factor, which is that we want to be Ma'acher the Shabbat as much as possible, and therefore we push Havdolah as far back as possible. So therefore we make, in this case, the Birkada Yayin first, and then the Havdolah, so it doesn't look like it's a burden to us to keep the Shabbat. And this is manifest in a number of halachot, one of which is by Sfirat Omer, that we count Sfirat Omer before you make Abdullah in Shul, as well as the fact that on Mosei Shabbat of Chanukah, we light the Chanukah candles before we make Abdullah. So even though it's interesting in that case, because you're still doing Malacha beforehand, nevertheless, we try to postpone Abdullah as long as possible in order to extend the Shabbat or the Kedushat Shabbat, And that's influential over here, that even though Beit Shemai believes by Kiddush, that Kiddush Hayom goes first, nevertheless by Abdullah, the Bracha Aliyayin will go first. Algemar says, V'savrei Beit Shemai, Birka Damazon, Tuna Kos. The underlying assumption in that Brayta is that benching requires a Kos. And that's why if you have only one Kos, you wait till after you eat, then you bench, and then you do the remainder of the Brachot of Havdalah. But that's because it assumes that you need to have a Kos for benching. Now the truth is that the Gemara could ask the same question from the Mishnah itself, because in the Mishnah itself, it brings also that Beit Shemai seemingly has a requirement for Yayin Alamazon in the case where you're benching and saying Abdal together, what is the order? So why didn't the Gemara just bring the question from the Mishnah? So the Ravid suggests that that's because the case in the Mishnah is not a case where he's eating on Motzei Shabbat, rather a case where he was eating on Shabbat, and it was his Sudash Lishit that continued into Motzei Shabbat, never he's benching and saying Abdullah together, but it's a case where the Chiyuv of benching already came before the issue of Abdullah. And in that case, Beit Shemai agrees that if you're going to have to bench and say Abdullah, they should do it a la coast. Or the way that the Rashba explains it, that our Mishnah is not telling you you have to do it, but it's saying if you would like to do it, 
bench on the coast, this would be the way to do it. On the other hand, the way that the Brita lays it out is that it's an obligation to do this way if you only have one coast. That's why the Gemara challenges Beit Shemai from the Brita and not from our Mishnah. Vatanan is our mission over here. That seems to indicate otherwise. Hatan, Balem Yain Acharmazon. They bring wine after the meal. Aim Shamel Oto Kos. You only have that Kos. Bechemayomrim, Mivarech Aliyain. Bachagak Mivarech Alamazon. You first make the Brach Aliyain, and then afterwards you bench. My love, Dimivarech Ilavei. Doesn't it make sense that what they're saying now is that you make the brach on it, then you drink it? Mar says, no. Case where he made the brach on the yayin, and then he waits till after benching. Had it been that he just made the brach and drank it, then it would have sounded from that that there is no din of benching a la coast, because you drank the coast before you ever benched. Then why would the other bright to indicate there's a necessity for benching a la coast? Gemara says, that's not a problem. You make the birkat a yayin, and then afterwards you make kiddush, similar to the way we do it, kiddush according to Beit Hilal. So, so over here, by Birkat Amazon, according to Beit Shalai, you're going to make a brocha on the yayin, and then afterwards you're going to continue to bench. Where it says, how can you do that? Anybody makes a brocha has to taste from it. Now, the general principle here is brought in the case of Birkat Mitzvah, when you're talking about Kiddush, Abdullah, that the person who makes the Birkat Mitzvah needs to drink. And since you have Avdola in this series, then you would have to drink Paripiragafin before you benched. On the other hand, Rashi claims over here, Balahem, that the wine that came here in this scenario does not involve Avdola. This is Koyimota Shana. And if Rashi is saying that even if it's Birkat Anenin, you need to be Tawain. You have to drink. If you have to drink for Birkat Mitzvah, where there's no inherent necessity to drink because you're just doing Alakos because of the Chashivut, the Shira that we spoke about previously, then certainly in a case where you're making the Bracha because it's a Birkat Anenin, that you certainly have to drink afterwards. The person who makes a Bracha Aliyayin needs to taste it. Now, those who are Divya Matkel, Rabbi Yoshua, at the top of the Amud, note, how is this different than cases like we just said before, Kiddush, Abdullah, where we make Bori Priyagofen, and then we say the Birkat Kiddush, or we say the Birkat Abdullah, and we don't say that you have to taste it in between. And over here, if you made a Bori Priyagofen, we're assuming you would have to taste it before benching. So Tosavad says, V'yesh Lamar, Dechinabit. What are you going to do? By Birkat Amazon, the problem is that it is a closing of the meal. It's the finishing off or completion of the meal. And therefore, if you make a Bori Priya govin before that, and then you bench and you say Birkat Amazon, you're closing everything that you did before, and therefore the Bori Priya govin you had before would be nullified. Therefore, we would assume that you have to make the Bori Priya govin afterwards. On the other hand, Kiddush and Abdullah, the nature of those brachot is different. And that is because when it comes to Kiddush and Abdullah, by Kiddush for sure, it's an introduction to the meal. So the assumption is that the Kiddush is not a cutoff, but rather a beginning. And even by Havdola, even though you don't have to eat a meal afterwards, nevertheless, it is what permits you to eat afterwards. And therefore, we see it as a lead-in to a meal, rather than the termination of a meal. And therefore, by the case of Birkat Amazon, had you said Bori Priyagafen before the benching, we would assume that you have to drink before you start benching, otherwise there's nothing upon which the bracha can be chal. The Gemara says, okay, the timely, that he drank. Vamar mar tamo pigamo. If you drink from it, then you make it into a kos pagum, which means that it's no longer valid to be used for a kos shel brocha. And here you have benching and abdullah that are upcoming. So drinking from the kos is going to disqualify the kos. The time lay be a day. He tastes it through his hand by taking some of the wine out, not by drinking from it, but either pouring it out to another cup, taking a spoon, using his finger, and taking out the wine and tasting the wine that way. So therefore, it's not a kos pagum. And in that way, Beit Shammai would accomplish the ability to say the Bori Piyagafen before the benching, still have you taste from it, and yet still have it be that there's a chiv to bench a la kos because the 
Kosa is still around for you to bench on, and then later on say Havdalah in a case where there's also Havdalah involved. So now the Gemara says, how can you take off of the Kosha Brocha? Because Amar Kosha Brocha Tzarech Shior. Don't you need a minimum Shior in order to have a Kosha Brocha? There's a deficit now because you took some of the wine to taste it. Vaka Pachile Mishure. You now reduced it below that threshold amount. It says, the nafish It's a case where the coast has more than the minimum shear that you would require. Never, whatever you took out doesn't bring it below that threshold. Isn't the whole scenario here where you only have one coast, and that's why you're benching and saying Havdallah over the same coast? My says, yeah, that's right. It's true that you're not enough to have two separate coasts, one for Birkat Amazon, one for Havdallah. We don't have two shiurim of a revi'it in order to do that, but mechad nofish, it still has more than one cup. So you have an excess of one cup, but not sufficient to make it into two cups. Problem is that we have a bright from Rabbi Chia that explicitly says that you make the bracha and then you drink from the cup. Unlike the, all the explanations we just gave about taking it out with your finger, tasting it, but not going below the sheer threshold that you need for a kosher bracha, not being pogamit. He says straight out that you drink the cup, which would imply that Beit Shemai does not require benching alakos. It says, If two tanaim, they have Rabbi Chia, who's bringing a brighter whereby Beit Shemai clearly believes that Barakat Amazon does not require a kosher bracha, but the other brighter that we brought is according to Beit Shemai, and Beit Shemai in that bright does believe that Birkat Amazon Srikha Kos, or there is a kosher bracha with regards to Birkat Amazon. So it's a makloket within the brighto as to what the shita is of Beit Shemai with regards to Birkat Amazon. That will be influential as to whether, you, first of all, you need a kos for Birkat Amazon. Number two is when you only have one kos, how do you deal with it? Do you make the Bori Piragofen drink it and not worry about Birkat Amazon? Or do you first say Birkat Amazon and don't only drink the cup afterwards, and to accomplish or satisfy the issue of Bori Piragofen, you take a little taster with your finger in order to be toame, but you don't ruin it. You're not pogame the wine or the cup, and you do not take it below the requisite shiur. Now over here, the Bali Tosafot say, Perish Rashkam, Davka the Kiddush Avdalah, And only for Kiddush Avdalah do you require that the cup not be pagum, because being a kosher brocha when you taste from it, and the wine that is residual in the cup is now wine that is pagum, and you have to depogumize it if you want to use it for Kiddush Avdalah. And in addition to that, he says, for Kiddush and Abdullah, Nami Omalayim of Makum Defshar. That's only if you can get rid of the problem of Pagum. But if you can't get rid of the problem of Pagum, then you can make the bracha even on wine that is Pagum. But Lishtot, if you just want to drink that wine, Tzarech Levarech you have to make a Bori Piragafin because it's Birkat Anenin. And it's also to be Nenem, Yolambazeh, believe bracha. And therefore, in order to drink from it, you have to make a Bori Piragofen if you're just drinking from it, not in the context of a mitzvah. Although the Meiri and Psachim Kufayam would bet as an unusual shita that Pogom is even a problem for Birkat Bori Piragofen and you can't even drink this wine until you depogamize it because you can't make Birkat Bori Piragofen on it. And then Tosavot over here says the solution to the problem of Pogom is either Lontain the Tochomayim is to add more water to it or it is to pour it back into the original bottle. The way that the Shulchan Aruch frames it is because kama kama botil, as you pour it back into the wine bottle, then as the wine goes back in, it is batel to the wine that's in there that is not pagum, and therefore you can then use it afterwards. So according to the Bayi Tosafot, you have one of two solutions, either to add additional water or in our day wine to the cup to make it so it's not pagum, or you have to pour it back into the original where the original bottle has more, 
and therefore it's batel when you pour it back in from the problem of being shayre coast, that it's a leftover a coast. That's all according to this view of the Baliatosa fault, that not only is the coast problematic, but the wine inside of it is also problematic. On the other hand, the Rashba over here says that the wine itself is not pagum, but the coast that it's in is considered to be pagum. And therefore, according to him, adding wine or water to it will do nothing in this instance, because in that situation, it's not the problem of the yayin itself, which is in, it's the coast that is the problem. But according to them, if you just pour the wine back into the bottle, that would be fine, because the issue here is not the yayin itself, but the coast. And therefore, if you change the coast, if you put it into a wine bottle, you, there's not a row of wine in that bottle, or you pour it into a different coast, it seems to, according to them, that it would be fine. Or the way to avoid making it into something that's pagom is to pour out of the cup and then drink from another cup, and then you can avoid the whole issue of making this pagom, not be able to fix it by adding in more wine. And you can see that in the Shulchan Aruch, that he follows this view of the Tosvot, which will only be, again, a reasoning according to the Balei Tosvot. Though the Mishmaruah does bring that it only works with the Avad to pour it back into the Kankan, but rather what you should do is pour a little bit of wine or new wine into it to depogamize it beforehand, and then afterwards pour it back into the Kankan. And then he brings in the next Halacha in Kufbe Bet, as long as you add a little bit to it, or even if you just add some water to it. And then he brings the final Allah and Siv Zayim, which is When you're in a bind and you have no other choice, you can make a bracha on a kos pagum. Now the Rashba does bring a possibility here, according to the Raiva, that Beit Hillel argues on Beit Shemai here, and they don't allow this to take place, and that's why they have to put Berge Be'agof in after Birkat Amazon. One of the reasons you possibly could have thought that is because they think that this does make the coast pagum, which would then indicate if you pour something out of a cup, or you take something out with your finger, it would make the coast pagum, and that would be the view of Beit Hillel, and we would pass in that way. Despite that fact, the Rashba brings an alternative view, that Beit Hillel does not argue fundamentally on Beit Shammai and think that this makes it into a Kos Pagom, but rather they favor keeping the Birkat Ayayin afterwards because they want it to be as full as possible, the cup, for the Kos Shel Brocha on Birkat Amazon. And that's why they want you to make the Bori Piragofen after Birkat Amazon and not before Birkat Amazon. And according to that, then both according to Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai, there's no Pagom caused by the pouring out some of the wine or taking out some of the wine if you don't drink directly from it, both according to Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai, and that's the way that the Torah and the Shulchan Aruch paskin. Okay, now the Gemara moves on within the Mishnah with the other Machlokot between Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai. In terms of the order of what you do when you're diluting the wine, Beit Shammai says, You wash your hands first, and then you dilute the cup. You first pour the wine and dilute it. Then only afterwards do you wash your hands. Gemara says, once to understand what this machloket is, we bring the Tosefta, Tano Banan. First wash your hands, and then you pour the wine. Had you poured the wine first, The problem is that his hands, that are misu'avot, which are tmeim, they have a sheni tuma on them, because stam yadayim have a sheni tuma until you wash them, have nitilat yadayim. Anytime you have hesachadat from your hands, they have a din of tumat yadayim, because of that hesachadat, because yadav are askaniyotayim. And therefore we require washing in order to remove that shani the tuma. So over here you have a situation in which if you did not wash your hands and he's pouring the wine into the cup, there's a possibility that some of that wine or some of the liquid gets on the outside of the cup. And then when he touches the outside of the cup with his hands that are dirty, 
he's going to make them tmeim, those liquids. And there is halochot within the world of Tumah, that if you touch liquids, even though technically you're a sheni the Tumah, which is the last level of Tumah with regards to Chulin, nevertheless, a sheni the Tumah makes what's called a tchila, a rishon the Tumah, out of liquids, mashkim. That is because mashkim are easily made tamay because they don't require any priming, they don't require any hechsher the kabel tumah, and they end up becoming tamay very easily. So because that chazal word metakein or gozer, that any time something tamay, even down to the level of sheni tumah, comes into contact with the liquid, that liquid is elevated to a rishon the tumah. But now, even given that, a rishon the tumah cannot be mitamei kelim. Adam and kelim can only become tameim from an av ha So how is it over here that these liquids that are rishon the tumah now can make the coast tamei? So Rashi notes that there was another gzerat chachamim, that even though in general, when it comes to kelim, they cannot become tamei. Elim kain, where they were touched by an av this is an exception to the rule because we have other liquids that do have a standing of an av and that those are the liquids that come out of a zav, a zava or a mitzora, those liquids that are discharged by those individuals have a status of avatuma. And since they have a status of avatuma, they can be mitzamei kelim. Therefore, the chachamim made it that these liquids, even though they're only a rishon the tuma, can be mitzamei the kli. And so that's what Beit Shammai is afraid of over here. Your yadayim that are sheni the tuma will touch liquids that are on the outside of the cup. Those liquids will then become a rishon the tuma. And then with the takanat chachamim, that when you have a rishon the tuma in liquids, they make the cup or the clay into something tamay, even though it shouldn't. It does because of this gzerat chachamim. And then that will end up making the coast tamay. So the Gemara asks, why do you need all of this complexity to include the liquids in here? Why doesn't it just be the tamu, the adayim lakos? The adayim already ashamed the tumah. Why can't they just make the coast tamay themselves? Why do you need them to touch liquids? Yadayim shniyotem. As we explained already, yadayim arodin yashini the tumah, vein shini yoseshli shiba chulin. Ella ayadei mashkim. Yashini the tumah in the world of chulin, that's the last level of tumah that you can have. You cannot make a shlishi the tumah. Shlishi the tumah is only relevant in the world of truma, and revi the tumah is only relevant in the world of kodoshim. Over here you have yadayim that are shini the tumah, they're not going to have any impact on a coast because we're dealing with chulin over here. The only exception to that is when you have liquids intervening, which is what we just explained, that if you touch the liquids, they become a rishon the tumah, and adding on top of that the gzerat chachamim, that liquids that are rishon the tumah can make a kli tamay, now you have a coast that is tamay. And the truth is over here that is not really a formulation that's relevant over here because the real problem is that you have a kli here. And is really a din in ochlim because ochlim can reach levels of rishon sheni, the tumah, and then in shumah and kodashim reach shlishi and revi. Kelim don't have any shaykhut to tumah at these low levels. The real question of the Gemara is, how do you get a kli to be tamay if you don't have an ava tumah here? The real answer as to why the daim don't affect the kli is because it can't make a kli tamay, elim ken you're an ava tumah. So then it begs the question as to why then, when you have liquids on the outside, does it make the kli tamay? That is explained by all of what we just spoke about before, these takanot chachamim with regards to mashkim that do cause it to be mitamay the kli. That first you pour the cup, and then afterwards you wash hands. The problem is, if we let you wash your hands first, problem is that maybe the residual water from the Nitilat Yadayim will still be on your hands. When you touch the back of the cup, the cup itself might be Tamei, and then it'll make the liquid on your hands Tamei. 
And then, if you have liquids on your hand that became tamay, they will be metemei your yadayim, because remember, liquids that become tamay from even a sheni the tumah, which this coast could be, will affect your liquids to make them tchila rishon the tumah. And then the liquids on your hand will make the hand, again, a shenilu tuman. It's as if you didn't wash your hands anymore. Vinitme kosli adayim. Why do you need the water? Why do you need the entire adayim to cause a problem? Let the coast directly be mitamei adayim. Where it says, ain't kli mitamei adam. Adam and kelim, as we said before, can only become tmeim from an avatuma. So there's no way that a kli, especially if it's a shenilu tuman, can make your hands tamei. Where it says, vinitme the mashkim shibetocho. Then if the cup is already tamei, then why are we worried about the liquids on your hand? What about the wine that's inside of it? Why isn't that problematic that you're going to make it askinan. Dealing here with another takanat chachamim, gzerat chachamim with regards to mashkim, which is mashkim midrabanan, we said before, armitamei kelim, even though technically they shouldn't affect the kelim, because they, even with the takanat chachamim, when they have tumah v'sheni, touches liquids, they become a rishon, the tumah, it's still not a high enough level of tumah, to be metamei kelim, because in order to be metamei kelim, you need to be an avatuma. Nevertheless, the chamim were gozer that they are metamei kelim. But when they did that, they put in hekerim that you would know that it's only tuma midrabanan and not tuma midoraita. And that is because in general, kli cheres, a lerdenware utensil, only accepts tuma internally, not externally. Any other kli accepts tuma both internally and externally. And if you get tuma externally, it affects the internal side as well. In this instance, the Chachamim made it that if the Kli becomes tamay because of tuma midrabanan, which is that the mashkim that are reached on the tuma touch the Kli and make it tamay because of this Gzerat Chachamim, that it's similar to the mashkim of Azav, Azava, Mitzorah, that are in Avatuma, then in that case, you will only be mitame achorav, that it will only affect the outside of the Kli, but tochol tahor, the inside will remain tahor, and the outside will be Tameh. It's none. We have a Mishnah in Kelim that explains this. Kli shinit muachorav b'mashkim. A Kli whose outside became Tameh b'mashkim. Achorav Tameim. The outside is Tameh. According to many of the Rishonim, that's only true if the Achorayim also have a big kibol, have a receptacle in them, like a goblet, which has a base that also has a receptacle in it. That's called Achorayim, like when we Tumah. Not just in a case where it's just the outside of the Kli. Tocho, the internal side of it. Ogno, it's lip, where the lip turns over on the top. Ve'ozno, or the finger holders in the kli. Ve'adav, or a handle, tehorim, they remain tehor. Because they want to give hekker that it's only tumay midrabanan, so that you won't be sorev, truma, and kodoshim on this, because it's only tumay midrabanan, not tumay midoraita. On the other hand, nitma tocho, if the mashkim make the inside tamay, nitma kulo, then the entire kos is tamay. So you see here, Rabbi Hillel says, the situation or the problem here, it's not about the internal side of the clay, because it's only the external side of the clay that is Tameh. Now that the external side of the clay is Tameh, it can't affect your dime directly, because the Shani the Tumah doesn't affect a hand or a human being. So then, what are we worried about? We're worried about the liquids that are going to be residual on your hand from the Nitilat Yadayim. So the question then arises is, why doesn't Beit Shammai worry about those liquids on your hand that are residual from the Nitilat Yadayim? That's what Kumar says, Vamai Kamifligay. What is their Machloket about? Bechamai believes you're not allowed to use a kos whose external side became tamei b'mashkim through that gzerat chachamin that we've mentioned a number of times. Gzerat mishum nitzotzot. Because what we're afraid of is that some of the wine, when you're pouring it, will sprinkle out onto the outside. And therefore, since they don't allow you to use a kli that is tamei on the outside, then lekalamigzah shemi yitamu mashkim shibayadayim bakos. 
then you don't have to worry about the residual liquid from your Nitiyot Yadayim becoming Tamei from the coast, because the coast that you have to use is Tahor. So Beit Shemai, by requiring you to use a coast Tahor, doesn't worry about the possibility that the coast, or the external side of the coast, that became Tamei from liquids, will then be Tamei, the liquids on your residual on your hand from Nitiyot Yadayim. Since they don't have to worry about that, then they want you to wash beforehand, because their bigger fear is that afraid of this splashing liquid that would go on the outside of the cup, become Tamei, and then affect the Yadayim, and then you'll have Yadayim Suavot, Tamei hands while you're eating the meal. On the other hand, Beitilel Sabre, Mutolish Tamech Beklishinit Muachorav Bimashkim. One is permitted to use a cup that became Tamei externally with Mashkim, and it's only Xerad Rabbanan. Amre Nitzotzot Lo Shrike. Like any Takanat Chachamim or Xerad Chachamim, it only applies when it's a common occurrence. This is not a common occurrence for drops to spill out of the pouring that you're doing. We don't worry about these drops that come on the outside, and then they come into contact with the coast, which is Tamei on the outside, and then they become Tamei, and then when you touch it with your hands, they're going to make your hands Tameiim, and therefore them, The bigger problem is not the liquids from internally splashing on the outside of the cup and becoming Tamei, the bigger problem is the residual liquids on your hand becoming Tameiim. And therefore, we prefer if you pour the wine, and then you do nitilat yadayim, so you don't run into that problem. And the fact that your hands might make the coast tamei, therefore we'd rather you deal with the coast and pouring the coast up front, and then afterwards do nitilat yadayim when the coast is not in the picture, because then we will ensure that your hands do not become tameim from the coast, which is a bigger worry for Beit Hillel, because they don't worry about the coast becoming tamei, because it could be tamei lechatchila. So they worry about your hands becoming tamei, and then you'll end up eating the meal, but yadayim misuavot, with the yadayim that really were never really washed, because the washing was not efficacious, because some of the liquid that was on it, touched the coast, and then became Tamei again, and you're back to square one with regards to your Yadayim. And then Rashi notes on the previous Samud, we don't worry about the fact that your hands might have liquids on them from the eating during the meal, and then you're going to touch the cup to drink wine during the meal, because the liquids that get on your hands during the meal come from the food. And the liquids that come from food are deemed to be Ochel and not Mashke with regards to the world of Tumah, and therefore... Ein Torat Mashkim Torat Ochel. They're considered to be Ochel, not Mashkim. And therefore, it's not a problem for the liquids that come on your hands during the meal. Other Rishonim, like the Ritva, don't love that interpretation, because that means if you really do come into contact with liquids during the meal, it would be problematic, according to Beit Hillel. And therefore, he opts to explain that until you die, is different, because of the quantity of water that comes on your hands during until you die, that's a situation where we worry about you drying the hands properly. But liquids that come into contact with your hand during the meal, which are small amounts, that you can dry off or you can clean up easily before you touch the cup, and therefore we're not worried about there being residual liquids on your hands when you touch the coast during the meal. Then the Gemara says, Another thing Beidelel says, if you wash after you've already made the Bori Priyagof and you dealt with the wine and made the Bori Priyagof in, then you have Nitilat Yadayim immediately before the Si'uda. The Rishonim and Arve Psachim, those who the Rashbam over there, discuss whether taking the Yadayim the Suda is that we want you to wash and then eat as close as possible to the washing, or is it that we want you to make Birkat Amotzi as close as possible to the Nitilat Yadayim, which has an Afkamina if you're making Kiddush Alapat, because there, your Birkat Amotzi is going to be immediately after your Nitilat Yadayim, but your eating is not going to be until after you finish Kiddush. So that would be enough communion between those two reasons. But either way, Beit Hillel is saying that this has other benefits. So Mar says, My Dabarachar. Dabarachar sounds like they're adding something additional here. What was a deficit in their first explanation? 
So Achi Gamar Lohu Beit Hillel Beit Shemai. This is where Beit Hillel says to Beit Shemai, "Lidid Chod Ami to Asul Ishtamesh B'Klisha Acharav Tameim." According to you, who believe that you can't use a coast whose outside is Tamei, therefore our whole Chashash doesn't exist for you. The Gazrina Mishum Nitzotot because. You don't allow someone to use a tamei cup because you're afraid of this splashing liquid that would go on the outside of the cup, become tamei, and then affect the yadayim, and then you'll have yadayim vote tamei hands while you're eating the meal. Nevertheless, afiluhachi adifa, even when you're reasoning, it's still better to wash after you pour the wine and make bori bergafen to take it until yadayim suda. There's another benefit that comes out of this, not just the issues of tumat as to whether we argue you can use a kos or can't use a kos, and whether it's nitzotot or not nitzotot, there's a basic principle of, as Rashi says, Hilchot Suda, that we want Nitiyat Yadayim be takef le Suda. And that we get by putting the cup of wine and the Bari Piyagavim before the Nitiyat Yadayim. So now the Gemara continues discussing the differences between Beit Yilal and Beit Shemai in the Mishnah. And in the Mishnah it says, Beit Shemai You wipe your hands on the napkin and then you can put it on the table. Beit Yilal Mim You put it down on the chair or the cushion that he is sitting on. So now the Gemara discusses what's the machloket between them. If you allow him to put it on the pillow, the seat that he's on, maybe the liquids that are on the napkin will become tamay because of their contact with the keset, with the chair or the pillow. And then they'll come back when you pick up the napkin again. They'll be mitame your daim, as we saw before. Liquids can be mitame the daim. Vinitme keset lemapa. Kamar says, why are you worried about the pillow being mitame the mapa when there are liquids on it? Why can't it just be mitame the mapa, the napkin directly? Ain't kli mitame kli. One kli can't make another kli tame. That's not a generic principle that a kli cannot be mitame a kli, but a kli has to be an avatuma. To make another kli tamei. And in this case, we're not assuming that the keset is an ava tumah. It's a lower form of tumah. And that's the case, ain't kli mitamei kli. Where it says, okay, benit mei keset the So forget about the napkin. You can't make the napkin tamei because it's a kli to a kli. But at least then he can make the person themselves tamei. Why do you need it to go through the liquids that are on the napkin? Where it says, ain't kli mitamei adam. Same principle that we had before. Only way that an adam can become tamei is with an ava tumah. And here we're dealing with a cassette that is not at that level of Tumah, that it can be metame other kelim, and it not, cannot be metame adam. So that's the reasoning behind Beit Shammai's principle, that we're worried about this cassette being metame the liquids on the napkin, then that will be metame your daim, and then you'll have your daim vote tamei hands while you're eating the meal. And therefore, Beit Shammai proposes that you put it on the table. Beit Shammai, better to put it on the cushion or the chair, Shammai, ala shuchan, if you put it on the table, we're worried about the fact that the shuchan itself can be made the liquids that are in the napkin. And then they will then go back and affect the food. It says, why don't you just worry about the fact that why do you need the napkin to convey the tumah? Why don't you have it just that the shuchan itself is mitamei the ochlim that are on it? We're dealing with a shuchan that is a sheni the tumah. Vein sheni shi As we saw already before, sheni the tumah is the end of the line for chulin, and therefore the foods that are on the table cannot become tamei from the fact that the shuchan is a sheni, because all the foods then would be a shlishi, which is not meaningful within the world of chulin. The only exception to that is true liquids. As we saw before, that liquids have these two gzerot chachamim, 
whereby now the liquids can become a tchilah, they become a rishon the tumah. So over here, if the shulchan is a sheni tumah, it'll make those liquids into a rishon the tumah. Once they are rishon the tumah, then they can affect ochlim on the table and make them into a sheni the tumah. So then what is the fundamental machloga here between Beit Shemai and Beit Hilal? Both of them have worries that either the Shulchan is going to be a Sheni the Tumah or the Keset is going to be Tamei and one of those two is going to make the liquids in the napkin Tameim. So Beit Shemai Sabre Asur Lishtamesh B'Shulchan Sheni. You can't use a Shulchan that's a Sheni the Tumah Gzeru Mishum Ochlei Tumah because we're worried about people who eat Tumah and as we said before Tumah does have a Shlishi the Tumah. So if you use a table that's a Sheni the Tumah any Tumah that comes in contact with the table or is used on the table will become pasul, and so we don't want that. So in order to prevent that, we don't let anybody eat with a table that is a shein de tumah to protect those people that eat tumah from making their tumah tmeah because of the fact that their table is a shein de tumah. Similar to the reasoning behind why everybody washes their hands for bread, even though it's not really an issue for bread that's chulin, it's only an issue for bread that is tumah. So nevertheless, in order to have the takana be upheld for the ochle tumah, they had it apply to everybody. And so to Amir, Beit Shemai says, nobody should eat on a table with a sheni the Tumah because of Ochlei Tumah. Beit Elal Sabri, muto deishtamesh b'shuchan sheni. You're allowed to use a shuchan that's a sheni the Tumah. Ochlei Tumah, zvizime. People who eat Tumah are careful. They know that it's an issue and therefore they, even if they have a table that's a sheni the Tumah that they use for chulin, they're not going to use it by Tumah and they can take care of themselves. We don't need a broad gzeira or takanat chachamim to prevent people from using a table that is a sheni the Tumah. Davar acher. The truth is that you do not need to wash until at Yadayim to eat chulin min Torah. The truth is you don't even need to wash it in order to eat truma. And that is because the whole institution of Yadayim being Tmeim is an institution of Rabbanan. That's because again, the Yadayim are Askaniyotayim. And so we want you to wash them beforehand because remind yourself that maybe you came into contact with Tuma or to think about where your hands were to think about maybe if they are Tmeim. But Mina Torah, there's no separation in the body of an individual between his hands and the remainder of his body. Whatever your hands are, your body is. Whatever your body is, your hands are. Only Mina the Rabbanan, the Rabbanan said, all hands are Shani the Tuma. So based on that, Gzeira, there is no requirement of Nitila Jedayim for Chulin because Chulin doesn't have a Shlishi the Tuma. And only by Tuma do you have a requirement of Nitila Jedayim because your Shani the Tuma can make a Shlishi the Tuma. But even in that regard, it's only midrabanan, because shein the tumah of yadayim is only a din derabanan. So the whole institution of nitilat yadayim is not mina torah; it's only midrabanan. Yes, my davar acher. What does that add? Hakikamrulu beitilal lebeit shemai. Beitilal is saying to beit shemai, bechitaim ru maishna gabe ochlim dechayshinun umaishna gabe yadayim delo chayshinun. Why are we worried about the food on the table? When you have a sheni the tumah table, we're worried about put, putting the napkin on the table and then making the uchlim tmeim on the table. Why don't we worry like you about putting it on the keset, on the cushion or in the chair, and then the liquids become tmei in the napkin, and then they affect the yadayim and make the yadayim tmeim. So why do we opt to worry about the shulchan over worrying about the yadayim? The answer to that is, afilu hachi hadifa. It's better or it's more concerning to us about the Shulchan and the Ochlim, then it is about the Yadayim, they need to the Yadayim, the Chulim in the Torah. Mutav shiitamu Yadayim, to let the karmi doraita, better that there's a chance that the hands become Tamei, which has no basis in the Torah, ba'yitamei Ochlim, to karmi doraita, rather than have the Ochlim, which does have a dindo raita of Tum'ah, in these situations, then at least, and then protect against that. Now, according to both of them, the whole problem here is only with the Rabbanan. 
Because the reason that the Oklimaganam Tame is because the liquids in the napkin come into contact with the table. The tables are shaded the tumah. It shouldn't affect the liquids at all. There's exerat chachamim that liquids become a rish on the tumah and then they affect the Oklim. So it's only rabbinically that they become Tame anyway, the Oklim. But at least Oklim are mikabel tumah midoraita in a proper situation where it came from a Rishon to Shani. So even when you have a Takanat Chachamim, we're going to worry about the Takanat Chachamim. We're protecting against it because there's an Ikar. There is a Tzad of Tumat Ochlim that is Doraita. Whereas by Yadayim, they never can become Tamei Midoraita. The whole institution of washing hands and Tumata Yadayim is Midorabanan. And so here you're protecting against a Rabbinic Tumah by worrying about the fact that they might become Tamei Midorabanan and they end up being Tamei in a issue that is only rabbinically ordained. And therefore, it's better to worry about the Ochlim on the Shulchan to worry about the Yadayim on the chair. So now the Gemara moves on to the next argument in the Mishnah. First you sweep up the floor in the house, then you wash your hands. First you wash your hands, and then afterwards you sweep up the floor. Gemara again wants to understand what's the basis of their machloket. You sweep up the floor and then you wash your hands. If you wash your hands first, all the water is going to fall on those things that are on the ground, the crumbs that are on the ground, and it's going to ruin the food on the ground. And that is Baal Tashchit. So we don't want you to do Baal Tashchit by pouring water on your hands. That's going to land on the area where you just ate, where there are crumbs and leftovers of the bread that you just ate. And therefore we prefer that you sweep up and clean up, and then only afterwards do Nitilat Yadayim. Then Beit Shemai says, don't wash your hands first. Because of those pieces of bread that are left over, that you're going to ruin when you do Nitiyat Yudayim. If the person who is the waiter is a Tamar Chacham, he doesn't literally have to be a Tamar Chacham, he just has to be someone who understands the dinim of Tumatara, Baltashchit, Hilchot Suda, Notel Perurim, Sheish Ben Kazayit. He'll pick up all the crumbs that are bigger than a Kazayit, where there is a problem of Baltashchit. And he'll just leave behind all the things that are too small to be of interest. And therefore, when you wash your hands on there and ruin them, it's not a problem about Tashkit because they weren't in consideration for being eaten anyway. That position of Beit Hillel helps or backs this position of Yochanan. When you have pieces of food or bread that are less than a Kezayit, you can ruin them by Yadayim. So you see, there's no problem about Tashchit for the smaller sizes of bread that are found there or food that are found there. And as Tosvo points out over here, even according to Beit Hillel, we're allowed to pour the water and be ma'is them. You're not allowed to walk on them based on the Gemara and Chulin that says that somebody walks on the leftover food is a bad omen because it causes poverty and therefore a person should be careful about that even if you are permitted to pour the water on these items to be ma'is them and make them disgusting. It's not a problem about Tashkid, it still has this other issue that is involved. Now even though in general we have a principle of Chatsi Shur is Asur, and over here, if a perurim is a kazayit, would be problematic, then a chatzishur should also be problematic in terms of bal tashchit. It's an isramidoraita to waste these items. And if it's problematic at a kazayit, then a chatzish kazayit should also be problematic. This goes to something where we'll spend more time on in the Gemara and Shabbat, that there is a difference between a chatzishur and the way that it's framed in Shabbat as a chatzimalacha. Over here, it's going to be framed as a chatzichel. The item to get a shame ochel needs to be a size of a kazayit. 
It's less than a kazayit. It's not that it's a half of a shiur of ochel. It's not ochel at all. It's not classified as ochel. And therefore, since it's not classified as ochel, there's no din of bal tashchit. There's no din of chatsi shiur. Bal tashchit is only when you ruin it from its possibility of being used as ochel, and then you make it that it's no longer viable to be used as ochel. So that's only true when it's something that would otherwise have been used as ochel. And that is the threshold of a kazayit. Either because that's only something that's worthwhile saving, or that's only something that's negdar, it's considered like ochel, and therefore bal tashchit only applies to things of a kazayit. Less than a kazayit, you can be ma'abi biyadayim because they don't have a shame ochel, or because they're just not worth the effort to pick them up, and therefore it's not a problem about tashke because you want to pick them up anyway. Ramai kamif once again, what's the fundamental machlokit here between Beit and Beit Shemai? Beit Hillel sabri asur lishtamesh bishamash amaretz. Beit thinks that you must use a Talmud Chacham or someone who's knowledgeable, not necessarily a Talmud Chacham, to be the waiter at the meal. And therefore you're not going to run into this problem of having big pieces left on the floor when you go to do you're allowed to use a Shemash Amaretz. This is the one instance where we see Beit Shemai being Mekil. And therefore, I'm Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Chinam, Rabbi Huna, Bikulei Pirkin, Alochah, Beit Hilal. The entire parak, the Alochah is like Beit Hilal. Bar Meha, the Alochah, Beit Shemai. With the exception of this, the Alochah here is like Beit Shemai. All the issues of Tuma and Tara, Baal Tashkid, with the Ochlim, over there in all those instances, Beit Hilal is the Kula. And so therefore we pass them like them. In this instance, Beit Shemai is the cool, and he lets you use a Shamash Amaretz. And there, Halokha Kebet Shemai, the Lokha is like Beit Shemai. Aboshia solved that problem, Mat He had their positions reversed with regards to the matter here. And therefore, Bahanami Halokha Beit Never the Lokha would be like Beit because Beit thinks you can use a Shamash Amaretz. And if you use a Shamash Amaretz, then you have to wait to do Maimachronim until after he's swept up the pieces that are bigger than a kazayit, so that you don't ruin them, you don't have a problem of Baal Tashchit. Now the Ravina Yonah points out that this problem may only have been manifest in their time, like Rashi says over here, where they washed Yadayim exactly where the Shulchan was. But today, where we don't wash our Maimachonim exactly where the Shulchan was, either we do it on the side, or we do it into another utensil, then maybe this whole Chashash doesn't exist, and you don't have to worry about sweeping the floor before you do Maimachonim. Although other Rishonim like Tarashba seem to indicate that the issue is an issue even today, and it has nothing to do with in their time where they put the Maimachronim. Alright, then we go to the next Machloket in the Mishnah. Bechamayomim ner umazon b'samim Abdallah. When you're benching and doing Abdallah together, what's the order? According to our Mishnah, Rabbi Meir, it's Borei Moreish, then you have Birkat Amazon, then you have Borei Mine b'samim, then you have Abdallah. Bechilel says you have ner first, then b'samim, and Mazon, and then Abdullah. That's the order according to Beit Hillel. And this is all according to Rabbi Meir. We saw the alternate Brita that Rabbi Yehuda brought before. Now the Gemara explains, He went to the house of Rabbah. So he made a Borei Minei B'Samim before he made the Borei Morei Aish. Neither of them argue that the Nair goes before the B'Samim. In our Mishnah, they both say Nair goes before B'Samim. The question is, where does Birkat Mazon fit in? In that sequence, the Tanya Beit Shemai Omeim Ner Umazon Basamim Vabdala, Beit Shemai Omeim Ner Basamim Mazon Vabdala. Oni Rava Bachrei Zodiv Rabbi Meir. Rabbi says it's not a problem. Then we know the Mishnah is authored by Rabbi Meir, and so is this Brayta of Rabbi Huda, who's the Brayta we brought on the, the first half of today's daf. Umar Lo Nechluhu Beit Shemai Beit Shilala Mazon Shu B'Tchila. Everybody agrees you bench first, Vabdala Shu Basov, and you do a Mavdil at the end. Only question is, what's the order with regards to the Eish and the Bissamim? 
The first you do the brach on the ish, and then afterwards the b'samim. Beitil says you do the b'samim first, and then the moor. And as we explained before, the difference has to do with that Beitil favors the or because you got a naw from it first, and Beitil favors the b'samim because it's connected to the Shabbat. From that the am follows the Beitilel, Aliba de Rabbi Yehuda, according to this version of Rabbi Yehuda, and that's the way we make Abdullah, that we make the bracha Bari Piyagafen, then we make Bari Minei Bissamim, then Bari Moreish, and then Abdullah, in the way that Rabbi Yehuda presents Beitilel, and even though at the Bali Tosfot say, Nagul, in other places in Shas, means that if you do it, it's okay, but that we don't pass in that way, L'Chatchila, so over here, how is it that we do this L'Chatchila? So Tosav it says, Nagu'am is only in a situation where you have other Amoraim or other positions that are disagreeing. And then when we say Nagu'am, that's a Bidiyavad. Over here, where there's no alternative given, then the Nagu'am is even Lechatchilo. Alright, then we go to the next part of the Mishnah, which is the Machokit as to what the proper Brocha is on the Eish. Beit Shemai Omrim, Shibara Me'or Ha'esh. Beit Shemayomim, Borei Me'orei Ha'esh, which is the way that we make it. And the Gemara wants to understand the Machokit. Amarava, Bibara, when you use the term bara, that it means past tense. The question is, when it comes to using the term bore, means in the future it will be created. It also has a connotation of past tense. Even though the word bore itself cannot be used in the past tense, nevertheless, the bore can be a shema etzem. It can describe a person who is a creator. And someone who is a creator, created in the past, creates in the present, and creates in the future. So it has a connotation of past tense. So, Meitim Rav Yosef, Yotzer Or, Uvorei Choshech. Or, Yotzer Harim, Uvorei Ruach. Borei Shemaim, Venotehem. These are all statements that we find in the Nevi'im about Akkadosh Baruch Hu's creation. And it's obviously a reference back to the original creation. And all those instances, it's using Borei Choshech. He created darkness. Yotzer Arim, Uborei Ruach. He created the wind. Borei Hashemayim, Benotayim. He created the heavens. And all that extend from them. All those are creations in the past. If that's the case, you see that the term Borei does have a past connotation. And over here, it's important to have it be in the past tense and not in the present tense. As opposed to that, what we say by Hamotzi, Hamotzi had a connotation of both past tense and present and future tense. The Machatzida Shekel back in Kuf Samach Zayin, Sifkot Anchet, explains why you would differentiate in the, between Hamotzi and the view of Beit Shemai over here of Barah based on the Yushalmi. And that is because the Brach of Hamotzi is giving thanks to Hashem who created, still creates, and will create the items that facilitate our ability to make the bread. Whereas over here with the Brach about the Eish, is that something that happened in the past, and that is the Eish that was created by Adam Arishon on Motzei Shabbat, as is explained by the Gemara in Makom Shinagu in Psachim, and therefore that brook is all about the past tense, not about the present or future tense. And the Rosh Yosef in Ardav says something similar, that it's better in other brachot to use the present tense of Borei, because of the concept of that a Kodesh Baruch is Mechadesh B'Tuvah B'Choyom Masiv Reshit. That Hashem recreates the world on a daily basis, and therefore the continuous borei is better than the past tense when it comes to other brachot besides that of Eish. And that's why over here, El Amar of Yosef, Everybody agrees that Baram borei are past tense because here the brach or the focus of the brach is on the past tense, as opposed to Amotzi, where they're abundant believe that not only should be in the past tense, it should also be in the present 
and future tense. Now, as Tosfot points out, then why does Beit Hillel insist on using Bore instead of Bara? So they say Beit Hillel favors using Lashona Pasuk, even though Bara is more appropriate in terms of indicating past tense. Nevertheless, since the Pasuk uses the term Bore, the creator who created in the past, and also specifically has the word Bore associated with Or and Choshech, therefore they favor using Lashona Pasuk, even though it's not as strong an indication of past tense. So keep league, eh? So what's the machloka between Beit Shemai and Beit Hillel? Bimaor or Question is not about the bore or bara, rather the maor or the meore. Beit Shemai believes that there's only a single flame fire, whereas Beit Hillel sabre tuvenure ikebenura. There are multiple flames in a fire, as Rashi indicates over here. Zeve shalhevet aduma. You have a red flame, livana, white flame, yirakreket, and a yellow flame. So you have all different colors inside the flame, and each one of those makes it meore haish. Taninamiochi, and we have a bright that supports Rabbi Yosef's contention about the machloket. Amulam Beit Hillel Beit Shemai. That there are many flames inside of the fire, and therefore the focus of the machlokit here is whether you say me'or or whether you say me'ore. The Raiva believes that me'ore over here means that the fire has multiple utilities and not just for light, and therefore it's me'ore for all the different utilities that it has, which would mean that the machlokit between them is whether we're focused on the creation of light on Motzei Shabbat or on the benefits one gains from that fire that was created. Beit Yilal is focused on the Hana'ah, and that has multiple uses, whereas Beit Shammai is focused on the creation of the fire, which was a single fire that was created. And the explanations of Rashi and the Raivud will have enough Kamina as to whether if a person uses the Lashona of Beit Shammai, are you Yotze? According to the Bach, you're not Yotze if you use more, and that's likely according to the view of the Raivud, because the focus of the bracha is fundamentally different between Beit Shemai and Beit Hillel. And therefore, if you use Lashon Beit Shemai, you haven't accomplished what Beit Hillel wants. Beit Hillel is focused on the Hana'ah. Beit Shemai is focused on the creation of the Or. Other than according to the Magen Avram, Bidavad, you're Yotze with the Lashon Amor. He likely holds like Rashi, that you're making a bracha on the different flames or colors of flames that are there. And then if you mention Ma'or, you've still mentioned one of the aspects of that Or. And therefore, maybe you could be Yotze Bidavad. All right, we're going to stop here by the two dots, five lines from the bottom of Nunbet Amudbet.